It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser, the day I was born And welcome back to another episode of American Loser uh, We are at an undisclosed location somewhere down the Jersey Shore Undisclosed In location. the Garden State, baby uh, It is a... Uh, it's it's definitely not in the studio. It's definitely not in Eventown. Yeah, we're certainly. Actually, I think we're allowed to just do this right now. I don't think there's any reason why we can't do it. We're, we're more than six feet apart. Everything's been wiped down. We're, we're wearing face masks in and out of the building, so I, I think we're okay. We're in the studio, damn it, and we're proud of it. I mean, an undisclosed location, depending on if. Uh, <laughs> or if you're Governor Murphy, we're in an undisclosed location that is yeah. not anywhere you need to know. Yeah, Murph's actually going to come on as a, a guest. Murph Dog and me go way back, so <laughs> he wants to come on. He goes, uh, he goes. What, what losers are we going to talk about? I was like, bro, I don't know. I mean, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's not a bad guy. I don't know. So who knows? But. Uh, we got um, some exciting stuff going on here, dude. It's good to be here. Uh, I want to say thank you real quickly, first of all, to everybody who has continued to support the show uh, by being our regular listeners. It stinks. I don't like taking time off, but we didn't know what the hell we were going to do here. But I feel like we're back up and running now. Life is good there. Huge shout out to everyone that has been a part of our Patreon. Um, I, I can't thank you guys enough. It was. Uh, um, I'm going to read the next episode. I'm going to compile the full list because I want to. You know, people who are going to do it for this month. Um, I want to make sure that we have a full list of everybody, so we're not just thanking them in parts. You know? And then once the list gets longer, I'm going to turn it into like that Animaniac style, <laughs> Wonders of the World type song. <laughs> I, I like that, and then I like the idea of uh, if we could get my father to do um, like the end of a credit card commercial. <laughs> Discovery four APR percent. Um, but uh, yeah, that part will be fun, man. But sincerely, thank you to uh, all listeners. We appreciate all of you. We love you a little bit more if you leave us a written review. And, of course, we goddamn adore you if uh, you're one of our Patreon listeners. It means a lot, guys. Uh, again, the thing with the Patreon is that's just me trying to mitigate the costs, okay? Because Mike and Ming like me a lot, but not enough to let me do the show for free at their studio. <laughs> that is true. So they're good guys. We love you. We got Yeah. So I got to pay my, my expenses for you know the studio time. I got to pay the kahuna. All right, behind the ones and twos, the best, the best sound engineer in all of podcasting. It was on that day Kahuna's heart grew six sizes. <laughs> Thank you, bro. No, man, you know you're a part of the show, dude. You know that, and we couldn't do it without you uh, for technical reasons. And also, uh, <laughs> imagine how boring this show would be because my father is—he's uh, been quarantined down in Florida, right? Imagine how boring the show would be if it was just me talking. I wouldn't say it would be boring. Like you're, you, you have a way of like. The way that you tell these stories is intriguing in of its own. So, like, while I understand doing a podcast solo is, like, horrifying, I don't think, <laughs> like, truthfully, I, I'm in the same boat as that. But, like, I think you could do it. I think you're one of those people where it's, like, engaging enough where it's, like, yeah, I'd listen to this. This is dope because I love the subject matter. So oh, thank you for don't, that. But... Don't knock yourself. Only I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> well, you know what? The, the, it works perfectly because you do the sound stuff. You also get to play the audience for the show sometimes. Mm -hmm. Then my father is the research hound. I mean, he, what he and I do, our research is not really 
The like, episode is not the same without rustling papers. Yeah, the, his, his, <laughs> his trademark, uh, his trademark uh, stutter step to, well, uh, you know, the, uh, the, he's big on filler words, but <laughs> I love that guy. But shout out to him and my mother, who are currently uh, on I-95, uh, somewhere in the state of Florida, on their way back up to New Jersey, that they're, uh, they're on their way back. Um, they waited everything out as long as they could. They've practiced uh, social distancing. They adhered to uh, quarantine and self-sheltering. And they just had enough of it because uh, my father is an Irishman and they do not belong in South Florida after May. Okay? My lobster father with his mustache is coming back up. But uh, they're on their way, man. And it's, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. But what I particularly am happy about is that I get to tell this one story right now, uh, which is a fun one. I've wanted to do this topic for a while. And um, I think it's a good one. My father did some research for it, too. We, we go down our wormholes and kind of okay. compare notes. We talk on the phone usually every day. Um, but uh, what we're doing here, and uh, real quick, I did do one last shout-out, if I can, to uh, Mr. Mike Calta and uh, Mr. Bobby Kelly. Okay, so uh, Bobby Kelly is uh, one of my favorite comics. actually become a friend of mine. Um, I really like the guy a lot. He's been incredibly kind to me. He's brought me on the road with him a bunch. We did Mohegan Sun together. And when he took me down to uh, Tampa to play Side Splitters, one of my favorite clubs uh, ever now, uh, I got to meet Mike Calta, who is one of the, uh, the, I think he's like the king radio personality down there. Nice, Just an man. awesome guy. And the two of them had me on their show recently to promote this show. Wow. Because they like the sizzle reel we put out on the Instagram. No way. Yeah, so good stuff. Starring Shout out you. Joe Fernandez. Starring me. I may have one <laughs> line. I make a Muppet movie style cameo in that thing. <laughs> also true. And then, you're right. Why not give a shout out to good old Joe Fernandez, my uh, one of my best friends on planet Earth, and a very talented comedian who has a very big project about to come out soon. So I'm hoping it'll be out uh, hopefully by Memorial Day weekend, maybe the first week of June. But we'll plug that when we come to it. I got a goddamn story for you today, Coons. All right, let's hear it. This is a good one. LP did his research, but I've been fascinated by this topic for about six months now or so. I wanted to do this one as one of our bonus Halloween episodes, but the guest I had in mind kept flaking on us. All right? So instead, what that gave me a chance to do is really research it, then come back to it. And then write the episode, which I finished last night around 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> uh, which is breakfast time in quarantine. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, for those that don't know, uh, I technically, K.P. Burke, am a United States sailor. Okay. That's true. I, I served uh, at age 19. I joined up to uh, serve the country in the capacity of the Navy. And d- you've been at this point officially discharged, or is it like? Oh uh, yeah, I got I got multiple discharged uh, papers because it's uh, I had a break in service and then I got activated again from the reserves. Okay. So it was weird. That's how I wound up in Dubai for a couple months doing armed security. It was weird. Well, damn. <laughs> but um, anyway, my first uh, duty station though was uh, the USS Kearney, which is guided missile destroyer sixty four, also known as five hundred and five feet. Of American fighting steel. <laughs> Very proud to have been on that boat. Very proud to have a lot of friends that were shipmates on that boat. And I had a good time when I was in the military. I really did. So basically the USS kick-ass. Oh, uh, we did kick some ass. Uh, now, if you want to get depressed, the home port when I was stationed there was Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. And it's Spain now, right? Which, and it's in Rota, Spain now. Which, <laughs> so I could have been living in Spain, you know, having siestas every day. Um, if you people look up a picture of this thing, it, I will say it is badass. It's actually it? cool looking. Yeah, it was. Uh, I lived there for um, two years. Wow. <laughs> good on you. I had fun, man. It was a good time over there. And I love Jacksonville, too, if I'm being honest. I might even be heading down there for a couple of, well, an extended vacation sometime this summer. 
better be doing some episodes virtually. Oh, we're going to, not even virtually, buddy. We're going to come in. We're just going to take over the studio one day. So, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, we're about eight minutes into this episode now. So it's a good, uh, a good stairway to heaven. You know what I mean? Into this episode. So I'm excited. Now we're going to introduce the topic here. Um, But first, in order to do this, we have to set a little bit of, um, we will set the zeitgeist for the times, right? But we're also going to talk about the weird culture of sailors. Okay. Okay. Um, I got really into Navy history, which then turns into, you know, seafaring history, if you will. And there's some, uh, some, I latched onto a lot of stuff pretty quick. And my favorite thing, because the wildest shit, which I think you're going to like, is uh, superstitions at sea. Oof. So there's endless superstitions, but I'm going to give you 13 of them real quick. Okay. You're going to give 13? 13. Why not 14? Don't worry. Why did you do that? We have a bonus. Okay. That's not not funny. (laughs) You're going to like what it is. We're also recording on the 13th floor in the 13th apartment. Uh, The uh, the 13th room. Oddly enough, the last time I did comedy live for an audience and received pay was Friday the 13th. Yep. So maybe that day's lucky for you. Oh, I hope, buddy. Um, <laughs> but here are 13 uh, superstitions. These are not all the superstitions, just 13 of them that I, I plucked uh, from the little bit of knowledge I have about superstitions of sailors. Number one, bananas are bad luck. But Bananas? Yep. Not much rhyme or reason for it, but bananas are considered to be bad luck. I Okay. Okay. You know, I guess maybe the peels slipping around on them. There was also a thing, too, that in the 1700s, a lot of the ships trying to bring bananas back from, you know, uh, tropical islands. Uh, came back with spiders. Th- there was spiders, too. There, there's a fear of that. They you know. like come and they want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Tally me, banana. God damn it. Uh, I, I got him. Uh, <laughs> that, that was just mean. Um, so bananas are bad luck. Also bad luck. Having women on board, okay? Ships are often named after women. Uh, Today's Loser is no exception, by the way, because Today's Loser is a ship. Um, However, it was considered to be bad luck to have uh, living, breathing women on board because it, A, would distract the sailors. And then the the theory was, yeah, the sailors aren't going to do their job well enough, but if you're truly superstitious, you would also say that a sailor not taking his duties diligently, um, the sea is going to punish him for being a half-assed sailor that the sea makes you respect them at all times. So um, another interesting one here uh, on that same thing about women being bad uh, luck on board. Um, oddly, though, naked women on board are, uh, are said to calm the seas. So if you ever noticed, um, like, the women or, or maidens yeah. on the front of a ship, usually topless or something like that, uh, there, there's a weird thing with all that art has to have at all times the, we'll just call her a maiden, we'll go with that word, um, Rather than merwoman or something like that. Probably but. a really dumb question, but like, is that why on you could see it on like older ships? Yep. They would have the mermaid at the bow. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, that, like that's that, exactly what they're they're referring to. That's um, wild. Yeah. So the idea was that uh, the the breasts, if you will. Um, sorry, Sunquist family. Um, <laughs> but the the breasts would be facing down towards the ocean and it would be calming to the seas. And then the eyes always had to be pointing forward so that it was looking in the direction the ship was traveling. So the eyes don't come off the prize and then they're low, you know, kind of calming the seas with boobs. Oh, like the seas, the seas like... Ah. Yeah, pretty much like... Boobs. <laughs> 
So the sea doesn't think much of itself, huh? No, no. <laughs> the, the sea is feisty, but you imagine it's so hard to predict it. Especially, we still have stuff. We're still losing ships, um, and not finding them. <laughs> yeah, currently. So imagine doing That's this. Still have pl- ships, planes. Like it happens. It's a it's a wild one, especially where we're going today. I think you might not sleep tonight, depending on how how well I tell this story. <laughs> Question: Is one of these? 13 that you can't rename a ship yes because i know that actually from thomas the tank engine (laughs) they 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 covered that in a in i think an episode way in the early days and i was like that's the craziest thing i've ever heard it's superstitious to rename a ship it's it's definitely there that's going to be one of the later ones here um so that one uh that that's one of the most famous ones too so that that's good on you for knowing that um if, I love this nautical stuff. Like, I always thought that this kind of area, this stuff was always, like, the coolest type of stuff. So hearing the superstitions, it kind of, it's it's really interesting because it also correlates with the history of a lot of stuff as well. Well, that that's what, I mean, these were astronauts of their day to go out there <laughs> into the, the briny blue. You are not kidding, especially when we only know about 20% of the ocean to this day. Exactly. Oh, man. Now, if there was indeed a woman on board and one of them was pregnant uh, and then went into labor... The safest place for a woman to give birth on board a ship was the gun deck, because it had that's where the cannons were being kept, and there was usually a little bit more space there, right? So, mm-hmm. um, not as as boxed in, if you will. So, if a woman was pregnant on board, they'd take her to the gun deck, and it was said to be good luck if uh, the child born while at sea was a male child. So, if the woman has a son, right, that's considered good luck, and the child is born on a gun deck, son of a gun true story that's the the etym- entomology is that a word i don't know and then they named him popeye <laughs> <laughs> so you can't do that one there uh this one made me laugh too uh so we have good reasons for a couple of the other things you know the bananas the women uh the, the pregnancy stuff like that yeah. this one's just no whistling on board you can't whistle because whistles conjure up storms that was the theory what if you whistled a storm was going to come get you <laughs> so that makes no sense because I've seen, wait a minute, what, that's bizarre to me. Because I've seen videos of, like, you'll, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a whistle call that it's like, uh, forget it. But yeah, that, that's, that would that's be, bizarre. No, that they're, the, the boatswain's mates would have a whistle that they would blow on board a ship to, to oh, give so, signals. Oh, personal whistle. Yeah, so like, like you whistling, like, like, you know, while you work kind of a thing, that would be considered bad. So that's the bad luck. It's going to conjure up the storm. Did you say that also because it was a Disney reference and you knew? Well, I I, I teach to the students. <laughs> <laughs> we got actually a Disney reference or two in here, actually, uh, if I remember. Um, so uh, certain words were banned as well. You couldn't say goodbye or drowned. Those were not words you were allowed to say on board. Um, and if anyone says good luck to you, you might as well be cursed by Lord Neptune himself. So the only way to reverse... A curse of someone saying good luck to you is to draw blood. Um, okay. I won't tell you how to do it. I just know that you got to do it quickly. I'm so. not asking. Uh, <laughs> next, next one, you might know this one just because it's an old saying. It's a, a, a rhyme of sorts, but red sky at night, sailor's, sailor's delight. delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor's warning. Yep, and uh, not quite the AccuWeather forecast, but it is what it is. So. Hey, uh, listen, man, there is some accuracy to that. It. Uh, we used to pay attention to it a little bit more. I'll put it that way. Um, a lurking shark, so if a shark is kind of lurking around the ship, uh, death is inevitable. So 
Imagine the Jaws theme before the Jaws theme existed. <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Now, on the contrary, though, if you see lurking dolphins, just for a point of contrast here, that's actually considered excellent luck. So if the dolphins are hanging out with you, that's cool. Um, dolphins like to follow ships around naturally, too, by the way. I, that's one of the coolest things I ever saw in the Navy was to go out on the flight deck. or the, we, we called it a lily pad because we didn't have a helicopter crew that came out with us. So basically you're giving me all the steps to how to make a sailor's worst nightmare of a movie. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's yeah there's a reason why today's story is one that resonates still to this day um but uh the, one of the coolest things i ever saw was to be out on the flight deck um and i'd be out there with buddies of mine or something like that just getting some fresh air and you'd see dolphins following the ship around out at sea because they, they like the the way that the currents and uh you know the waters we get make some cool waves for them plus the ship sounds cool so they like to be near cool sounds yeah dolphins are fantastic <laughs> um just not in football um, sorry if you're a Miami <laughs> Dolphins fan. I think Tua is going to be okay. Um, oh man. Anyway, uh, the truly superstitious sailors would only set sail on Sundays. Fridays are considered bad luck because Jesus died on a Friday. Uh, Thursdays were bad luck because that was Thor's day, and they didn't want any thunder or lightning get called down. True story here. The first Monday in April is no good, because that is the day that Cain killed his brother Abel. Uh, also, the first Monday in August is no good either, because that is when God struck down Sodom and Gomorrah. So, so there's like a whole like schedule these guys got to follow. It, it, well, the reason I'm saying these rules up front is because I want to make sure everybody sees how many of these rules were disobeyed in the story. Um, Number 10, don't cut your hair, don't shave, don't trim your nails. You do any of that while you're out at sea, it's bad luck. So if a sailor has a pierced ear, that would also mean that they had crossed the equator. And then they say that a gold hoop earring typically was thought to be like um, that they were a high society gal looking for a husband. Um, sorry, wrong episode, wrong episode. Uh, uh, I was <laughs> like, what is happening right now? No, uh, a, uh, a gold earring was supposed to be like protection from drowning kind of a thing, like a sacred talisman kind of a thing. Um, and then also a lot of nautical tattoos, like nautical stars. And then uh, a lot of sailors get uh, swallows tattooed on them because they live near land. So if you saw swallows, it was a good sign that you were near land. So if you were in trouble, you wanted to, you know, seeing a swallow was a good thing. Um, number 11, pay any and all of your debts. A sailor that goes out to sea without paying his debts is a danger to the crew. That, you know, Poseidon's going to come up and hit you with a rogue wave for you being dishonorable. And if the wave has to come for you, it's taking the whole crew with it. That's some Indiana Jones type shit. You know it. That would be, oh man, that's awesome. Can you note that one for me? Because I think that's a that's a crazy one. You are about to forget that one completely once Bullsh I read this next one. Bull. Sorry, Sunquist family. Um, number 12. Number 12. Avoid gingers. <laughs> No. So, Are you serious? Sorry to my buddy Bohannon from uh, Boot Camp, who's Are a great guy with red hair. You're being dead serious. Absolutely serious. Number 12 is avoid gingers. Now, my, my father had a quote from his father that said, uh, like, it's one of those things where you're a little kid and an adult tells you something and you just don't know what to do with it, but it stays with you. And my father was once told, um, uh, stay away from redheads. They give you the shits. <laughs> exact quote from his father. Um, Wait, but what? Uh, so, so then... So how drilled in are these rules for sailors? Here's how, remember I told you you're going to forget about the debt one? Because the, 
there's more to the ginger one. Huh. Okay. So uh, first of all, you got to stay away. It's bad luck to see a ginger before boarding your ship. However, if you speak to the ginger before he speaks to you, you're safe. That's how you make sure that their power doesn't get you. But if the ginger says hello to you before you say hello to them, you're cursed for the journey. So imagine, um, like you see a, a redhead, right? And by the way, let me be honest. Uh, I dated one redheaded girl, and she was, uh, I, I mean, it, I, I enjoy redheads. I'll be honest. <laughs> nah, man, I'm with you on that. It's uh, Well, she was Greek, too. That was the confusing part. But anyway. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you got to avoid ginger. So it's bad luck to see them before getting onto the ship. But imagine this one. Like I said, if they speak to you first, bad. You speak to them first. Good. So if you mm-hmm. see Bill Burr walking towards you, you got to be like, holy shit, that's Bill Burr. He's like, yeah, what's up, bud? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, you sailor? Oh, what are you going to sail on the ocean? Well, I had to say hi to you before you said hi to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> or the other terrible thing that could happen is um, I'm sorry, someone but... taps you on the shoulder and says, hi, I'm Kathy Griffin. And you're like, god damn it. But wait, he, what, if, what, if, what if Kathy Griffin taps you on the shoulder but says that, but you didn't see it. So does that then count as towards the legend, or is it like until you see the person? I'll, t- I'll tell you if, what, if, if it was Kathy Griffin and I was, I'd be like, Kathy, I'm a fan. Can't turn around right now. We but can, it's uh, nice to see you. We <laughs> can go down to Asbury Park and put this theory to test if you want. I gotta we'll have one of my redhead friends meet us down at the uh, <laughs> the beach, and we'll send. We'll go out. We'll go out to sea, buddy. You know, KP. While that sounds like a great offer, I am a hundred and ten percent. Not gonna do that. Well, now if you were to have uh, yeah. died at sea, <laughs> um, the thing that would be ferrying you into the or carrying your soul to the afterlife, if you will, the Flying Dutchman, would no. be that—that uh, that is a great maritime nautical uh, uh, legend as well. But um, it would be uh, for this, it would be an albatross that seafaring birds, ah. like seagulls and stuff like, specifically albatrosses, uh, are said to. Uh, take with them the uh, the, the souls of uh, sailors lost at sea. That movie The Lighthouse talked about that a little bit, too. Um, I remember that. Yeah, which uh, I, I loved that movie personally, but we don't have to talk about that one now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, rule number 14, to not jinx us with 13. Um, do not, and I repeat, do not, under any circumstances, Kahuna, rename your boat. <laughs> so you were right on that one, dude. That's the most important thing. Do not mess with that because when a ship gets commissioned, it gets named. It also gets christened. They break a bottle over the bow. It's a big ceremony. That happens with uh, aircraft carriers all the way down to uh, ships, ocean liners. merchant ships like the one we're about to talk about. Some asshole's hitting his motorcycle out on uh, Route 35 here just to, just to fuck with us. Oh, uh, it is what it is. But, but uh, that's, that's, ins- that's crazy, man. Well, that brings us – we've now set the, the – the table is set now. We can get into uh, the meat and potatoes of this episode. Today's loser, the fateful nautical mystery known only as the Mary Celeste. Yo, are you serious? <laughs> We're going to talk about the Mary Celeste? Oh, crap. Because I was just thinking about it. I was like, wait, the Mary, the Mary, what's the name of the rest of it? Oh, my God. A lot of people know this, but not everybody knows all the, the bizarre shit that happened. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, PU people are in for a treat. <laughs> oh, I love this. I'm excited. So uh, I'll tell you what. If, if you um, if you remember anything from because I, I, I went in pretty deep on this one, so I'm excited here. So I want to um, 
I'm going to hit everything I can because I, I found out about this first from a History Channel special um, that I watched on Ghost Ships, right? And it was a 15-minute part of the episode. But this was the story that creeped me out the most. It, so I, the ghost ships in general, man, just know. <laughs> they do. This, this one particularly, the more I dug into it, the more creeped out I got. So um, December 5th, 1872, a ship named the, uh, uh, the, the De Gratia, we'll call it, right, which was a British ship out of Canada because Canada was still technically British in most sections at this point. Um, but the De Gratia on December 5th, 1872, spots another ship about 400 miles off of uh, the, uh, well, it's off of the Azores, uh, which if I'm screwing up pronunciations here too, I want to apologize to you guys. It's, it's not something I've ever pretended to be good at, um, but it's just uh, New Jersey public education. And, uh, <laughs> say, say less, man. And it's a, all good. And a few too many years uh, working manual labor jobs. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, my my vocabulary for a guy who works excavation is actually quite good, um, but uh, it's good quite actually. <laughs> well, the Azores are this really cool chain of islands uh, off of the far coast of Portugal, and it's mostly like fishing villages and stuff like that. Especially back then, during the time frame here, remember 1872. So you got uh, the Civil War has ended in the United States. There's uh, a, you know you're talking about. Uh, uh, Industrial Revolution sort of time frame. You're talking Reconstruction era. A lot going on. Yeah. Hill Valley um, hasn't been constructed yet. No Marty McFly. That's 1885. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, so th- they see this. There's, uh, like I said, these islands are off the coast of Portugal. And the uh, De Gratia uh, approaches this ship that is sailing at full sail. It's floating. So the, a couple of the sails are beat up a little bit. Uh, but it's not really heading in any particular direction. So their crew sends men to board the ship which they then determined to be the Mary Celeste, an American merchant ship that they both sailed out of a similar port from. So uh, as the men boarded the ship, they noticed not a single crew member could be found. The ship was in decent condition, a couple tattered sails, minimal damage topside, and a few feet of water below deck, which was concerning but not critical. So um, anybody who's seen Titanic knows... uh, when, the, when you start flooding uh, the lower compartments, people tend to get nervous. Yeah. But on the ship, we had air conditioners on the USS Kearney. That I, the air conditioners would have condensation all the time, so you would normally walk into it. Like, if you had the bottom bunk, your shit was normally wet. <laughs> <laughs> especially in the summer, especially if you were, you know, below the equator. Fair but, enough. Um, anyhow, that being said, uh, these guys are in there, and they're noticing um, they can't find anybody, dude. The ship's one lifeboat is missing. So that crew of at least 10 people and a captain and all these, they're gone. No signs of them, no nothing. Uh, the puzzling thing is that the ship's cargo, which was denatured alcohol, uh, intended to go to Italy. Denatured? Yeah. Uh, means, like, not potable. Okay. So um, it, it wouldn't be like booze. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, for probably making stuff. Okay. Um, which actually comes into play here because there was one conspira- uh, a conspiracy theory that the crew got into the denatured alcohol and they got so drunk that they just did something stupid. And (laughs) then the one guy's like, yeah, you can't drink that shit, man. That's not potable. (laughs) But anyway, um, so they're noticing that there's no crew at all. They can't seem to find anybody here. The ship's in good shape. The cargo is fully intact, and the ship has food and supplies that would have lasted them another six months. So the ship's log, which is this crucial database, if you don't know what a ship's log is, it's... 
Um, it's pretty much the, the it's record. The, it's the black box before the black box. Oh, well said. Well said, dude. Yeah. I like that. Um, it's just, except you got to actually write in it. It's oh, not like man. it's just taking information down. So you have to rely on the the captain at the time's actual report. If he didn't fill it out, theoretically, you have no idea what went on on that ship. And if you screwed up while you were writing in the ship's log, um, you had to one line and initial it so that people would know who made the error in the logbook. Uh, <laughs> we used to get screamed at in boot camp for that. Um, which, by the way, uh, I believe all three of uh, my drill instructors from boot camp have listened to at least one episode of this show, so that's a trippy thing. <laughs> um, but anyhow, uh, the crew is gone. The one lifeboat's gone, too. Uh, they can't figure out what the hell's going on here. This is bizarre. The ship's log is the last record in the log, like Kahuna was just saying, is 10 days before they found the ship. Okay? And the ship had departed from New York City. All right? On November 7th, 1872, I did a little Google search. That's a Thursday. <laughs> Thor's Day. That's bad luck. Shouldn't be doing that. No sign of the crew, and there never would be. They never figured out what the hell happened to the crew of the Mary Celeste. The mystery of the captain, his family, and his crew has still never been solved. And all I can tell you now is what they do know. And it ain't much. It's interesting, but it ain't much. There's there's not a lot of info on the on the Mary. How do you say the last? It's a Mary Celeste. The Mary Celeste. Yeah. There's not a lot of info about this boat. We know what it We know the original name, the new one, maybe a crew log or two. That's about it. And the weird thing is that everything we know from the discovery of the ship on is under uh, some sort of suspicion as to whether or not it was reported accurately. So. Uh, we're going to cover this bad boy here, man. This is uh, I'm excited now. Um, again, the crew is gone. Uh, turns out this Mary Celeste ship had a bit of a troubled past itself. So the ship was originally built in Nova Scotia in 1861. So, uh, again, the time of the ship, the crew disappearing was 1872. So we're going back to 1861 now in Nova Scotia, which is Canada, right? Mm -hmm. At the time of its christening, the ship was originally named the Amazon. So what does that mean, Kahuna? They renamed their ship. Whoa. They broke a rule. Bad luck. Gonna set, bad luck. Let's set sail on a Thursday and on a ship that's been renamed. Bad, bad luck. Um, Would it have helped it if, it was, if it was launched on a Sunday? <laughs> you wonder, man. It's one of those things where it's uh, if you look into a broken mirror while walking underneath a ladder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, the Amazon's first captain, this was interesting here. If you want to talk about the idea of a cursed ship, the Amazon's first captain was a Mr. McClellan. And Mr. McClellan became deathly ill on board during the initial voyage of the Amazon. And he was brought back to Nova Scotia, taken off the boat where he died. He died on land. But not really, uh, not part of our list, but when the captain dies on the maiden voyage of the ship... I think that's fair to say that would be at least the fifteenth superstition of bad luck we could have covered. Yeah, like let's uh, yeah this this is uh this is not looking all good for uh, this boat. No sir. Um, now a new captain's going to take over, and uh, he brings. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> he brings much better luck with him. Uh, sort of uh, sort of better luck, if, if you will. Uh, captain John Nutting Parker. Uh, I just for, He's got one of those names that we've talked about before where you feel the need to stroke your mustache as you say it. Hmm. 
John Nutting Parker, you see. <laughs> he didn't uh, die of an illness, uh, but he did manage to crash the boat into fishing equipment and then also collided with a brig ship that would later sink. That like they, they crashed into each other, and then the brig ship sunk in the English Channel. Wow. So the English Channel, by the way, possibly, it's still very busy now. Back then, uh, it's safe to assume that was the busiest port in the world. So if you want to imagine, uh, for those East Coast kids, uh, a bus smacking into a garbage truck in Manhattan during rush hour, uh-huh. you must get an idea of how that crew felt. So, Wow. Now, in uh, 1867, uh, the Amazon was ran aground during a bad storm and severely damaged. The Amazon? Yes, okay. the Amazon. So it's still the Amazon at this point. Okay. Uh, good, good call on that. Thank you. Um, and it's severely damaged, enough so that the ship's owners abandon it as a wreck. So, uh, yeah, obviously we do the show here uh, at a shared universe, which is kind of an offshoot of the secret stash and all that other cool. So it's a pop culture centric place. Big time. Um, so if you recall the opening scene of aliens, not alien aliens is uh, the salvage team is coming on board and they find uh, Ripley Sigourney Weaver. And there's a line when the guy goes, ah, oh, shit, she's alive. There goes our salvage mission guys. Mm-hmm. So if there's a living person on the boat still, you can't salvage it. That's kind of the deal here too. That's maritime law. That if something is a salvage... Uh, you can't it, claim it. If, if it's been abandoned... Oh, you can claim it. Yeah, then you can say, hey, we found this thing. <clears throat> so, uh, anyway, they uh, they got a cool thing going here. Uh, the ship is technically fixable, right? But it has been abandoned. So, it's like getting a fixer-upper car. You know, you can either buy a brand new car and be stuck with payments for a long, long time. Or you can buy a ship box that you can just kind of keep running. <laughs> so, um, but... That being said, the wreck leads to these salvagers. Salvagers uh, lead, they're looking for paydays. And what was known as a derelict savage is uh, something that's recovered by one party that was abandoned by the original owners without the original owner's hope or intent of trying to get it back. So they just said, I don't want anything else. It's like, get out of your beater car, leave it on the parkway, <laughs> walk away. Whoever wants to come get the car can come get it. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, if profitable, um, a salvager would get almost all of the profit off of something like that. So the salvagers will now sell the wreck to an American who has bought this piece of shit, you know, hoopty boat uh, for, at the time, keep in mind this is the 1800s, uh, 1750. So he, $1,750. Oh, wow, Um, okay. So he buys that, which is a hefty sum back then, but now this poor bastard has to put over $8,000 into it in order to refurbish the ship. So... Uh, but this guy was, uh, he was an American, you know? He was a high society guy. He was a New Yorker. He's thinking that the ship should be practically brand new now that he's put all this work into it. So Richard Haynes, the new owner, decides, well, I'm going to make myself the new captain as well then. And he goes, I got a new boat. I'm the new captain. We need a new name, right? So enter the Mary Celeste. So you've now changed the name of a ship that killed its first captain in its maiden voyage. All right, bad, 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 bad luck. Bad luck exponentially increasing as the story goes. Yeah. So uh, the ship doesn't get a chance to crash or kill its new captain, this uh, Mr. Richard Haynes. Uh, a different form of bad luck emerges. Haynes loses the boat after it's seized by his creditors because he pretty much went bankrupt getting the thing back up and running. So Th- This ship is just... <clears throat> Just a brick shit house, isn't it? Like it's just yeah. it's, it, it's a nothing. money pit. Yeah. 
Damn. It reminds me of my buddy Nate who took apart his, uh, he bought a Chevelle. Should have just burned it down and collect the insurance. <laughs> um, well, that comes into the story a little bit later. Are you kidding me? I was uh, kidding. <laughs> what was it? Uh, well, uh, you, you tell me because when we get to that one, I'm, I'm curious what your reaction will be. Um, <laughs> so Haynes loses the ship now. And uh, that's why you got to pay your bills, people. You know what I mean? That's why I appreciate the Patreon people helping me pay the bills to keep this show coming for you. Plug within a plug. Um, the ship is now refitted by the new owners in order to expand its size and its capabilities. Because if it's a merchant ship, that means you're towing goods back and forth. It's import-export. So more room on the ship means more profit, right? Yeah. So by 1872, the ship had been refitted again now to the tune of around $10,000 back then. Yeah. This is big money, that's dude. A, yeah, that's a hefty chunk wow. of change. Yeah, this is, um, this is trust fund people you know, kind of doing their thing. So this uh, fine-looking, possibly cursed ship needed a captain that could right the previous wrongs and maybe finally start turning a profit on this bad boy. And they found the man for the job, one of the most respected sailors and captains uh, on the entire East Coast, a man out of uh, Massachusetts, which has a very... Uh, I mean, dude, they are... That is nautical central up there. I mean, that is, that's where the bad, the Gloucestermen, you know what I mean? The guys from the perfect storm. I mean, just that's a culture built around the sea um, up in the New England area. And it's pretty cool. The guy's name is Captain Benjamin Briggs, which is just a good name, right? And Briggs is a sailor sailor. Uh, the sea was in his blood. His father and almost all of his brothers all took to the sea as their profession. Uh, they felt like it was predestined. These were, this was a, a this was a, a maritime family, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Briggs, very well respected, considered to be a damn good sailor and a quality captain, right? His crew was quite good as well. Most of his crew were men that he'd sailed with before, and any newcomers that he brought on were very carefully vetted by Briggs himself. And by all accounts, they were thought to be a high-quality crew. Um, uh, like letters that from the people, were like, I, I've never seen a, a more Cracker Jack crew kind of thing. Yeah, like they're, they're considered the best of the best. They're definitely, um, there's no concerns. It's not like uh, Treasure Island where uh, Captain Small is like, I don't know how I feel about um, Tim Curry. I can't. (laughs) I can't. I knew the minute you mentioned Treasure Island, I was like, damn you, Christian. Because, of course, Muppet Treasure Island is the first thing that comes into my head. Big fat baby face killer eating baby O'Brien. Aye, it's a woman. (laughs) Oh, my God. You killed dead Tom. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, uh, they're, they're not nervous about that crew. They're very happy with this crew. Um, and Briggs's first voyage is going to take a load of denatured alcohol from New York to Genoa, Italy. Now that's gotta be a decent cruise, right? So, Hey baby, you want to come with me? I'm going to take you, you go find a girl in New York and be like, I can take you to Italy. And tell me how quickly that girl packs her bags. I can show you the world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Mary Celeste had been refitted in New York City. All right, so Captain Briggs has decided that he's going to take his wife. Was that supposed to be our minor East Coast connection kind of um, Jersey? I don't know. You know, we I'd a, give it. I'll give it just for the sake of the story. We had someone... Uh, that was the thing. We had someone give us a review the other day. It was a very good review on iTunes. And if you haven't given us a written review on iTunes yet, please do. I love that because it, it bolsters us up in the, the rankings, and you guys have been kicking ass with that. But the person gave us a really nice review, 
and said, well, the Jersey connections get a little tiring at times. Wow. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Man. It, was, it was good. And you know what it is? Uh, I get it. If you're, but just to unpack that for a second, our theory is that New Jersey is the center of the universe. So, and we keep being proven correct time after time. Time so. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so the Mary Celeste is refitted in New York City, and Captain Briggs decides, since he's going to Italy on this very nice renovated boat, I'm going to take my wife and my infant daughter with me. Now, my son's a little young, so I'm going to leave him with his grandmother. So those two don't go on the voyage together. Yeah. So, But Captain Briggs is taking his uh, young daughter and his uh, wife with him on this trip. So uh, hang on one second. That's women on board. That's bad luck. Right? We're right back to that original 14 superstitions. They keep just, they, they keep digging their own graves. To be fair, to be fair to Captain Briggs, the Mary Celeste attempts to get underway on a Tuesday. But as they're kind of sailing around, and you, I, I picture being in Manhattan, that where this is all happening, um, and they're trying to get out into the open ocean, and they're going down by Staten Island, and they see a storm's coming in. So they anchor off of Staten Island, right? And, uh, Briggs' wife is actually able to get one final letter out uh, before the trip to, uh, I want to say it was like to her brother or something like that, and she was just saying, oh, I'm taking notes the whole time we're out here. This is so, the crew is fantastic. The boat's fantastic. We're going to be in Italy soon. I'm so excited to be a part of this, uh, and I'm going to remember all of this so I can write everything down for you because I, I can't wait to tell you about this because I know you would love to be here. So that's her last letter that she sends out, and she's able to send it because they are currently anchored off of Staten Island waiting the storm out. Storm takes two days to pass. Puts them out on a Thursday. Thor's Day. Right? So now you got women on board on a renamed ship that killed its captain. Uh, and uh, you're going to go ahead and set sail on a Thursday. And this is, the at this point, the Mary. And is now the Mary Celeste. The Mary Correct. Celeste. I can't, why can't I say that fucking word? It's, sorry, uh, we, sorry, Suncoast family. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that's wild, man. This story is just well, why. And, it's just a bunch of whys. Why would you do that? It gets worse um so uh now they do set sail on the thursday to make and because at that point you can't sit there and be like well we're gonna wait for friday because that's a better day you know well actually we can't do friday because that's when jesus was so you can't sit around and wait when you're on company time right so you got to get out there but i'm surprised like especially in the world of like nautical stuff like i'm surprised Mm -hmm. companies that are working with shipping companies don't take these superstitions into account especially considering Half of their business is that, you know what I mean? It's uh, um, like I, money talks is the end well, of the day. I, I know I understand that, but uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, kind of well, explains it. Remember that ship that found them? Yes. The the De Gratia. We're gonna keep calling it. Yeah. Um, that is under the command of a Captain Morehouse, who was also said to be a pretty outstanding sailor, um, who was also heading to Genoa with a shipment of his own. So Captain Briggs and Morehouse both likely knew one another beforehand. Um, there was a rumor that, that Morehouse's widow, years later, uh, thought that it was possible that the two of them had had dinner in New York before that they uh, before both ships got underway. Mm-hmm. So um, the De Gratia, again, is a, uh, a Canadian ship technically, but a British ship, we'll call it that, right? And uh, the Mary Celeste is an American merchant ship, but they're both going to set sail out of the New York area, right? So uh, anyway, uh, their hand, their fates are always kind of tied together with each other um, by the way of this mystery of the Mary Celeste. So as we said, the Mary Celeste is coming out of Manhattan with, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Briggs uh, in command over there. And Morehouse's ship, the De Gratia, is going to set sail uh, from 
Hoboken, New Jersey. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred and ten percent true. So that's back when Hoboken was a, a seafaring community with a nice port and stuff like this. Is like you know, before on the waterfront Hoboken. You know what All I mean? Right. And then and before uh, uh, drunk uh, college girls Hoboken. Okay. So. Uh. Now, when uh, Morehouse's De Gratia happens upon the now-abandoned Mary Celeste, the crew establishes from the log, like we said, that the last entry was about nine days ago, and the ship is now 400 miles away from its last charted location. Where? Okay, what did this log say? Uh, well, I don't have the actual uh, entry on that one, but it was that uh, they're off, you, they were able to see the Azores, um, those islands off of way far off the coast of Portugal. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, now, they're creeped out here because these guys don't know what the hell they're getting into. They're nervous because they're seeing a ship that's just kind of aimlessly floating with no bodies in sight, right? Uh, they go ahead, and uh, there's no signs of violence or piracy, uh, no signs of a crew whatsoever, and a salvage order for the ship and its cargo could be collected here. So if you're going to send your crew over to go find out what's up. So Morehouse splits his crew into two. And uh, has both ships sail back to Gibraltar, uh, Gibraltar for salvage hearings, okay? So he can't find a crew. There's no lifeboat, so the presumption would be that the, the crew got onto the lifeboat. This was also considered, at the time, one of the, the wildest storm seasons that was ever recorded. Mm-hmm. So there was this weird potential rogue wave thing that could have, uh, ju- like, the, the waves could have gotten super choppy, and Briggs and the crew could have just got onto the lifeboat, and then the lifeboat could have just been, you know... Swept uh, up. Yeah, there's no clue what could have happened with it. But uh, definitely a little nerve-wracking here. You don't know if... Uh, so there's definitely a hint that it's like, oh, something legit probably did happen to them, but it's just the, the, the disobedience of the superstitions that yeah. take, come into play because they literally break every single rule. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that, sorry, y'all. It you're doesn't probably, help. You're dead at this point, <laughs> but, like, come on. Yeah, it certainly doesn't help. I'll put it that way. But uh, so Morehouse now splits his crew in two so that he can have a skeleton crew on both ships to bring them to Gibraltar because that's where you're going to have these salvage hearings so they can potentially make a ton of money off this. Because keep in mind, the Mary Celeste has all of its cargo in tow. So you get the cargo money, you get the, the money for the ship, and you can also, you're now able to supply yourself for an additional six months uh, with food and you know, equipment and stuff like that from their ship. So that's like hitting a little bit of the lottery, you know what I mean? Like imagine you found, we're going back to leaving a car on the highway kind of a thing. Imagine somebody leaves like uh, you know, just a, a gorgeous friggin' BMW on the side of the road. And they're just like, oh, there's no title for it. There's no anything. So, I mean, it's yours if you want it. You'd take the fucking BMW, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyhow, uh, they get over to Gibraltar and they're excited. The crew's expecting to be paid quickly and uh, quite handsomely for bringing in a ship in such good shape and full of its cargo to these salvage courts. Uh, Upon arrival, the Mary Celeste is impounded immediately. Okay? The only problem for the uh, the crew is that, uh, of the De Gratia, I should say, is that this seemed just a little too perfect. So, all of a sudden, the crew of the De Gratia, who is, you know, they're presenting themselves as, hey, we found this boat out at sea with... Nobody on it, and all the supplies are here. Oh, so, like, it's suspicious on them now. Yeah, so now that the court is sitting there for, the, for these salvage hearings, everybody who's listening to their case is like, so uh, so you killed him, right? You, you, you pirated this boat? Is that what you're telling us? I'm like, no, no, we found it this way. Like, that's a little too neat of a story for me. 
So wow. now they're, they're casting suspicion on the crew of the De Gratia. So um, accusations of piracy, foul play, hath truce. These are all plaguing the crew during their attempt to collect what they think is supposed to be an easy payday. So Morehouse and his crew are under heavy suspicion of foul play. Were the pirates involved? Was this weather bad enough to make Briggs think to abandon the ship since they thought that they were within sight of land, the, the Azores or Azores or whatever you want to pronounce it? Yeah. Honest to God thing that was being brought up at the time. Were sea monsters involved? Okay, could this have been a sea monster? Did the crew of the De Gratia kill the crew for the salvage rights? A minimal, fractional amount of the rightful salvage. So, uh, you know the term pennies on the dollar? Yeah. They were, they were awarded the salvage, but it was for pennies on the dollar. None of them really made any money off of it. That's so they, because they found the ship and got accused, the only reason they didn't make any money is because of those accusations. Uh, well, because the because like, how does it work in salvage where it's like, oh, you found the boat, you would then get ownership of it and then try to flip it or sell it or add it to your own fleet, or would it be like a just put it up for sale type deal? Well, that was the thing. Typically, you would have a ship would be owned by somebody and operated by a captain, mm-hmm. right? So, um, it would sometimes it would be like a consortium would own something, uh, you know, which is like kind of a, a, a corporation without being a corporation. So, um, for instance. If, uh, if we had the, the SS shared universe, right, uh, Captain Kahuna would be uh, behind the ones and twos taking us out to sea. But uh, if the ship was to um, get into any sort of trouble while I was out there and be it's lost, <laughs> well, you'd, be, you'd probably die going down with the ship. You're a good captain, right? Um, <laughs> he's making a face at me right now. I don't know, guys. I'm not sure about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're five stories up. It's, it's, I don't know. No, I'm just <laughs> but here's the thing. So Kahuna uh, goes down with the SS shared universe, but who gets left with the bill? Uh, Mike and Ming. So... Now the owners Sorry, of the guys. ship, yeah, the owners of the ship are sitting there trying to figure out, well, what, you, what do you mean my crew just disappeared? This doesn't sound right. The judges are being skeptical. So because of the skepticism, that's why the crew of the De Gratia only gets like maybe a fraction of what they should have gotten for a rightful salvage. And there's this cast of uh, um, of doubt. Well, potent. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, you got to think about it, man. It's like probably dumb question, but does does that kind of follow the captain mm-hmm. of the De Gratia for the rest of his life, or like does that quickly die off? When the legend of the Mary uh, well, Celeste kind of takes into play. It, it definitely follows him around a little bit from what I read about him. He doesn't have too spectacular of a life after that incident. But um, the other key with this whole thing is that now this, uh, you think the newspapers are going to run with a story like the, the vanishing crew of the Mary Celeste? Of course they are. They're going to write up everything they can get their dirty little hands on with that. I mean, that, that story writes itself, to be honest. So, how big was this story when it when it happened? Uh, pretty big. It was getting, uh, it, it, and the ship earned a reputation too. So now I'm, I'm excited for part two of this bad boy. Um, so as we said, uh, a couple years go by now. In 1884, um, actually, let me let me skip back on that for a second here. The Mary Celeste is then repaired. Okay, so remember it was taking on some water. It had a little bit of damage, but it was still in pretty good shape. Uh, and it gets repaired and is sailed back to New York. So the crew didn't make it. The ship made it back. So someone was like, eh, this crew vanished, it got renamed, and we found it kind of like half sunken, but it's fine. We fixed it. Yeah. And put it back on the ocean. Yeah. And, and someone it. willingly volunteered to captain it across. Wow. 
the balls. <laughs> Money talks, man. Especially the, the we're talking about these guys again. They're like astronauts. We just did the the Gus Grissom episode. That's what sailors were probably like back then, you know. Um, but the Mary Celeste arrives back in New York. She was an unpopular ship. It was very hard to get a crew together to work on her, due to her uh, her bad luck nature, if you will. I mean, when your entire crew disappears and your captains keep having you know uh, terrible fate after terrible fate. It gets a little bit of a reputation as a cursed ship. So this cursed ship is now continuing to lose money on almost every subsequent voyage, and they do lose a third captain to death. Okay, so the, the, another captain dies uh, after uh, uh, they bring him back to... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, let me just finish that sentence, actually. This is encouraging the already superstitious nature of the sailors to avoid uh, the Mary Celeste at all costs. So that's now three captains that have been... Uh, uh, you know, absentee, if you will. Yeah. Um, I believe they brought him back to Nova Scotia, and he died near the island where the boat was made, if I recall. Uh, i got to look that one up again. Wow. But anyway, uh, in now 1884, um, you got sailors that are avoiding the Mary Celeste at all costs, like we said, but now the final captain of the Mary Celeste is going to be a guy by the name of Gilman C. Parker. So Parker's an interesting guy. Parker knows that this is not a good boat to have. I don't think he has too much interest in you know, trying to be an honest man. It's, he's a little bit of a con artist, okay? Uh, so Parker misrepresents the ship's inventory and the cargo to make it appear more valuable than it is. So it's like, uh, imagine saying, like, uh, it's almost like having a fake diamond ring. Just being like, you see this shit? Jacques Cartier made this yeah, for me. doing that as a sea captain, are you trying to get pirated? Well, that's uh, how you get pirates. But that's the thing. So the inventory is kept uh, on the ship. So like a manifest kind of a thing. Yeah. So he's got that whole manifest. And he's like, like oh, yeah, I got all. It's like um, when people have flooding or fire damage, uh, they always say, uh, oh, yeah, uh, well, I had a 50-inch flat screen over there. They probably had like a 30-inch flat screen that was like 10 years old. But if you say that you had a 50 and they can't prove it, the insurance is sometimes going to give you uh, leaning more towards the 50-inch TV. So yeah. that's what this guy was doing. He was saying, oh, I got all this valuable cargo on here, and he's going to try to make an insurance scam out of the Mary Celeste. So Why would, why? Why would you do that? Well, it gets interesting, buddy. So uh, Oh, so the burn down collecting insurance mm -hmm. money. <laughs> uh, like we said, Parker, he's an interesting guy. He is the final captain of the Mary Celeste. Interesting, um, huh? And he decides that uh, after making his cargo appear more valuable on paper so that he can make the insurance claims on it afterwards and also the salvage claims, he intentionally crashes the Mary Celeste into a well-known coral reef off the coast of Haiti. Okay? Uh, Parker and his crew wreck the ship intentionally by going straight into the reef. They then sell the salvage rights, I think, for like 500 bucks. You know, like, like oh, yeah, you, you go out there and you get There's so much valuable stuff on there. Then they try to put the insurance claim in afterwards on the original cargo. After so, it's pretty much like selling something twice. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, or selling something they didn't own either. That's the scariest part. Um, but they sell the salvage rights and they do this fraudulent insurance claim for the quote cargo. Quote. So, yeah. Now Parker is eventually caught for this fraud uh, and is uh, accused of the crime known as uh, I thought this was cool. I'm probably not saying this right. Baratry or baratry, baratry, I want to say, which is the intentional misuse of a ship, which is a crime back then that was punishable by death. 
So if you, John Carpenter would make a brilliant movie about this. <laughs> Escape from Baratry? Nah, I think it's going to be called The Fog. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I didn't even understand what you were doing there. I apologize, but that's my fault. No, that's all good. <laughs> I wasn't trying to make it obvious. That was the whole point of it. Well, I was talking about Snake Plissken earlier, so I'm, I'm hung up on that. John Carpenter's always on the mind, okay? It's, it's a, all good. <laughs> but damn, man. This is crazy, this story. So now... Uh, Good news, though, right? That you're the captain of the Mary Celeste and you just ran the ship aground. Ship can't hurt you now, right? That ship, you won. <laughs> Wrong. You won, right? You, you'd think. Um, Parker gets accused of the crime of uh, baratry, is also the uh, insurance fraud. Um, Parker and his two co-conspirators and co-defendants uh, are able to narrowly avoid the death penalty. However, uh, their reputations are all ruined. One defendant goes mad during the, uh, the, the, the trials, if you will, and the hearings, uh, the other co-conspirator commits suicide, and uh, Parker himself, while being let free, has a ruined reputation and dies in poverty three months later. The Mary Celeste has claimed yet another captain. So, <sighs> the mystery of the Mary Celeste has never been solved, and it still attracts quite a bit of attention over the years, there's a you couple, don't say. A <laughs> couple of interesting names are going to pop up here. Names like uh, author Clive Cussler have written about it and explored possibilities of... He thought that he had discovered uh, part of the wreckage of the ship. And uh, it turns out he was wrong. But the, the ship that he... It was so weird where it's one of those things where he goes, he goes, Hey, guys, I found the Mary Celeste. And everyone's like, no, you didn't. And then they test the, the wood on the thing. And then they're just like, uh, it's not the Mary Celeste, but it is another ship that... Uh, is about a decade older than the Mary Celeste. So you did find something. It just wasn't the Mary Celeste. And then the news just reports, told you it wasn't the Mary Celeste. <laughs> like, it's still a pretty cool find. Did you know that they found it recently? Uh, sort of. Well, what's left of it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a, what do you know about that? I'll, I'll, I'll let you shine here for a second. So it was uh, purposely wrecked, but it, it's like... Very little of it is still around today. I think it's mainly just the keel, a little bit of it, and then that's basically it. Which is funny because the the keel was the because uh, the boat was made in Newfound or, or, or Nova Scotia, yeah. Um, and they it was Spencer's Island uh, in Nova Scotia where they were working on it. But um, hang on one second here. <clears throat> Sorry, we need mute buttons, Ming. If you can hear this. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so. Clive Cussler, who's a very pretty famous author and stuff like that, uh, he was looking into the uh, exploring possibilities and discovering it and also writing about it. A certain uh, author by the name of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about a, a mystery of uh, the Mary Celeste. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, for those who don't know, uh, number one, obsessed with the occult and the afterlife, right? Number two, uh, we talked about it in the Houdini episode a little bit, if you want to listen to that. That was one of my favorites. written um, a certain famous detective. A little bit of a famous detective. That's right. Columbo, invented <laughs> by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So, um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. So, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was obsessed with that. It was, uh, he wrote a, a good book. In his book, actually, I believe his one was about a vengeful former slave uh, killing the crew of the Mary Celeste like in their sleep kind of a thing. Oh wow! And that that's that's how they um, uh, figured Jordan it out. Pe- Jordan Peele, hop on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he'd be all about that one. So <laughs> that's um, wild to me. Even better though, this one's great. So you got a couple of big names here. 
Uh, this one was my favorite. I kind of wanted to tell Ming this one, but I know he's doing his uh, convention thing in the other room. Um, a 1935 film was made uh, about this that claimed uh, that their story was one of the evil Germans on board. There was a couple of Germans um, oh, so that joined like the crew. Thing. So keep in mind, this is 1935, a little bit of agitation towards the Germans at this time frame, right? Lots going on over there. They're gearing up for, so they got a little funny man with a mustache barking some orders in some very aggressive tones, yes? Not very friendly. No, and we also just finished uh, fighting a great war against uh, Kaiser Wilhelm. Uh, Wasn't it really that great of a war? That's <laughs> um but uh, this 1935 film is made, like we said, with the, an evil German on board goes mad and murders the crew. That German villain was played by Bela Lugosi. No way. For those who don't know, that is Count Dracula himself, pretty much. Wow. Yep, the original okay. actor for that one. So That's awesome. So we got a little connection to the, to the Universal Monsters legacy. Which uh, I was excited about because those those movies hold up, man. Oh, they're great. <laughs> I will say though, I I don't know if it's considered part of it, but I do love Abbott and Costello meeting Frankenstein. That's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's, it's so good. Abbott and Costello. Any any chance that they're from a certain state? I wonder. Are they? <laughs> The uh, statue down in Patterson. I always used to see that whenever I would go down to uh, my Navy recruiter was in Patterson. But I love this story, though. The well, Mary Celeste is just what not to do. Exactly. Like, and uh, But a, a ship haunted from day one almost. Um, but over at Spencer's Island in Nova Scotia, where the ship was first constructed, there is a memorial still standing to Captain Briggs and his lost crew honoring their memory. The mystery of the Mary Celeste has yet to be solved. And uh, I'm not completely wrapping up yet, but I will say this. This is K.P. Burke telling you, if you ever, ever go on a cruise, I'm not even telling you, I am begging you at this point. If you are ever on a ship, out at sea, no bananas, okay? Be sure to say hello to every redhead ginger you see before they can say hello to you. Oh, man, if they're eating a banana, that's just, like, the worst. Do not whistle. And if you see a pregnant, red-headed woman eating a banana, <laughs> you better pray she has a son. <laughs> oh, no, I'm having a girl. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. Also, I just love to whistle. Um, <laughs> hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> But that, uh, that kind of ends the story as far as I know about it. Now, did you know anything else on top of it? Because I, I like when you know the topics we talk. Because I don't tell you ahead of time. people. You know, so I, I enjoy your genuine reactions. Yeah, to like, you know what, people? I've, I've, I'm surprised I haven't brought this up before. He gives me, like, these vague answers. I'm like, what is, what, who's the loser today? He's like, oh, you're going to like this one. You're going to dig this. You're going to like it. You're going to like it's, it. Okay, fine. But what is it? Never tells me. And then he'll always tell me in the episode, in the recording. So the, when I shouted... The Mary ship earlier, because I know the story, I was genuinely happy, because this is fascinating to me. That was a good one. I didn't know the rules. That was new to me. I mean, I knew Red Sky at Night, Sailor's Delight, never rename a ship, but I didn't know there was an actual, like, list of rules, kind of. There, there's a ton more, too. That That's just one list that I found online that I, I knew some of them, and others, I the ginger one, I had no clue. You ever had a paranormal-esque experience while you were a sailor? Uh, at sea, no. Um, but, uh, 
because I, I'm also blown away by the ocean. I mean, I, I like being out there at sea. That was always I used to hang out on the flight deck all the time. Uh, whenever they would have uh, the, the uh, underway replenishment, that's where a, a resupply ship pulls up alongside your ship, and they literally shoot like grappling hooks across to each other, and then they send the equipment over. Okay. So, um, in order to have a safe conclusion to that exercise, the ship has to make a very hard turn away from the supply ship. So, if what we would do is we would run out there because I was a destroyer that was known as a tin can sailor, mm -hmm. right? Back to uh, so what we used to do is we would run out, uh, me and the other guys from repair division. We would be stuck in the engine rooms, making sure that uh, you know everything was running properly, and manning our watches for sea and anchor detail. Uh, well, I don't know if it's sea and anchor. No, it wasn't. It was underwear replenishment. I'm sorry. Uh, and when the ship would make the hard turn, finally, what you would do is you would rush as fast as you could from the engine rooms up to the flight deck because if you stood up against the the water, you could actually reach out and put your hand in the water. Like that's how close you got to it, like within arm's reach of the ocean. Hell no. Uh, buddy, it was fun. Absolutely not. No, there's a <laughs> no. You know what it is? You, you, Hell no. <laughs> KP, I have never wanted, like, that is the most nope thing I've ever heard. You, you just made me accidentally realize that it was all white guys that were doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Hell no! So that part was wild there. Uh, normally, by the way, we would call my father up to uh, to have him chime in a little bit here. But like I said, he's on I-95, hopefully into Georgia at this point. Uh, and he's going to be home. We're going to have him back in studio shortly. Uh, so I'm very, very happy about that. Um, again, I, I want to say this is what I'm trying to work on for the Patreon. I just need a little bit of work on it. Um, i got to learn a couple things. What I'm asking for, if you want to get involved with our Patreon... First of all, if you don't get involved in the Patreon, you're still going to get four free episodes a month. Every Tuesday, I'm going to put one of these out as long as I can do them. And if I miss it on a Tuesday, I'll get it up on the Wednesday. I'll do everything I can. I want to make sure that this shit works. Um, I love doing the show, and I love, uh, I, I love the response we've gotten on the show. We have some really cool stuff we're legally not allowed to talk about yet for development stuff. But um, that's, that's neither here nor there right now. So the big news is... Uh, if you make a minimum donation to our Patreon, if you search American Loser Podcast uh, on Patreon, it'll come right up. I'll start putting links out on my page. Uh, we have the American Loser Instagram, uh, American Loser Podcast, at American Loser Podcast, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, so I put up something every Tuesday whenever we put up a new episode. I try to put up updates when we can. A painting of the kahuna my Uncle Paul did. <laughs> we'll sell prints of that soon. <laughs> you know it, dude. I can't wait for you to start signing them at live shows whenever we get a chance to That'd do it. That would be so amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I... I I will say, man, this is this is probably one of my more favorite episodes of this. Like, I, I, this the whole nautical legends and ghost ships always has fascinated. Oh, that, me. that's why it's perfect. It's, it's half ghost story, because, half history. Because a lot of them are genuinely terrifying. Because I think I would, meaning no one aboard. Well, I got a couple others that we're we're gonna tackle. I gotta save some stuff for the upcoming October because we, we, I had fun doing that one there. I will say I have a a casting couch for this. Okay. Hit but me. not in the traditional sense of like who I would get to play the captain because that is a little too vague for me. I have a casting couch as who I would want to make the Mary Castle movie. Interesting. So I this is me picking a director slash screenwriter as like who I would trust to do this. And the, 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 the name isn't going to... 
ring a bell to some, but for, for those who are horror fans, especially of Annabelle, I think you're going to dig this. So the guy's name is David Sandberg. He directed the second Annabelle movie. He also made a movie called Lights Out. And then he also did Shazam. <laughs> no, seriously, but he's an amazing <laughs> no, he's an amazing horror film director. Like his movies have this sense of dread to them that is just like, oh shit, like this is this is tense. So I would love to see him do a movie about the Mary Celeste. That it, is it, it's my a good uncon- creepy one. That is my unconventional uh, casting couch. Second top tier choice though, John Carpenter, hands down. Like just because I know he just because you want to hear the the score, the music. He's Absolutely, put to man. <laughs> Absolutely. Kurt Russell as Benj- uh, as Captain Briggs. Oh, so. <laughs> oh man, you already wrote the movie. There you go. Halfway there, dude. Um, but the the final plug for the thing with the Patreon I just want to hit as we're wrapping up here is, uh, um, like I was saying, if you don't donate to the show, if you don't have the cash, I totally understand. I'm not turning a profit on this. I'm just trying to mitigate the costs. So for a minimum of five dollars, just anything less than five dollars, that the I lose too much of it to Patreon. So that's why we're going with five. Um, so if you're willing to buy me a cup of coffee, I'll give you one free episode, extra bonus episode a month of uh, the show. So that means that uh, you get the four regular every Tuesday, and I figure like on the Thursday at the end of the month, because that way I can promote whatever it's going to be if you're interested in it. So you don't have to donate every month either, too. I'm, I'm really, I'm just grateful for anything you guys want to throw our way. Um, I we hate asking for this it stuff. All. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, again, just so that we don't lose money on the show anymore. I have to incorporate soon. I'm going to have to do taxes on this shit. It's going to be weird. But for $5, um, I'll get you the bonus episode. We're going to get some, some swag and merch made up, so we're going to have different tiers for it and stuff like that. And, uh, I, again, I wanted to thank everybody um, all at once, but there's one listener we just got to throw a shout-out to. He was a guest of the show. He's been one of my good friends for years. Uh, Alex Alvarez gave us a, a pretty sizable donation that, Paid for the entire studio time today. I'll put it that way. Um, so this episode is uh, not officially dedicated to you, Alex, but you're definitely up there. And thank you so much to all the, uh, the just we got kick-ass listeners, man. I got great friends that I've made doing the show. I got great friends that I've uh, that are enjoying the show. It's a way to keep in touch. Um, and I just want to say thank you for all that stuff. So, like I said, we'll come up with the other tiers for the Patreon and stuff like that. Um, also, I thank you to everybody who shares the uh, the episodes uh, on Facebook, anything like that. Uh, word of mouth always helps us out too. Uh, I know Mike and Ming promote the show to everybody they can. I know I tag Kahuna and stuff, too, just to, you know. I almost don't want to give away your real name, but also support him. He's a very talented guy. Uh, music, um, puppetry, uh, burlesque. I mean, there's nothing he can't do, folks. <laughs> so. Oh, man. But, yeah, so thank you so much to all the listeners, too. If you want to leave us a review, that helps us out a lot. Uh, and, again, just check us out. Follow us on social media. Help us grow here a little bit, guys, because you, you are on the ground floor of this thing. Uh, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. And we got cool shit coming, so just get on board now, okay, please? <laughs> but that being said, guys, thank you to Mike and Ming over to Shared Universe Podcast Studio. Thank you to the Kahuna behind the ones and twos. My name is K.P. Burke. I don't have any stand-up dates to plug anymore because we're not allowed to gather socially. But hopefully I will again soon. Um, And that being said, guys, uh, that was the Mary Celeste, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.